Hello, and welcome to Registered the Podcast, where we highlight some of the incredible minds entering the healthcare profession in the midst of a global pandemic. Whether you work in healthcare or not, we come here to find stories of some incredible young people tackling tremendous challenges head on. Here, we laugh, we cry, we're scared, we're honest. My name is Kelsey, and I'm a NICU nurse, looking forward to introducing you to some of the truly incredible individuals I've met in the healthcare world. Hi, everyone. First of all, I just want to thank you, because as of today, when I'm recording this, over 200 people have tuned into the podcast. Um, And I just think that's really amazing that um, so many people have been able to hear the stories of the two wonderful, amazing nurses that I've interviewed. Um, And to those of you who have been giving me feedback, who've been posting about and sharing the podcast with other nurses or other people who just might benefit from hearing from it, um, thank you so much. And to those of you who have been sending me messages DMing me, um, telling me about your stories and your struggles as you're learning how to be a nurse during these crazy times. Um, I'm so honored that you've trusted me to hear your story and to reach out and to be a small part of your journey. And I would love to continue to be able to help you. Um, Please continue to listen, continue to share. Um, I am now on our podcast. So if you can leave a review, that way it just um, helps me reach out to more people. Um, So onto the show today. Um, When I first had the idea for this podcast, AJ, who is a good friend of mine from nursing school, actually, was one of the first people I reached out to. And first it was literally just like a text message like, am I crazy for having this idea? Um, And he was into it and I was into it too. So this conversation that you're about to hear actually happened in like early November. And I called him and we recorded this as somewhat of like a pilot episode um, for the show. And then I built off of that and grew the idea and turned this podcast into what it is today. Um, But just because of me having a crazy editing schedule. Um, This episode actually ended up being episode three, even though it was the first one I recorded in early November. And looking back, I definitely think that my interviewing skills and my podcast hosting skills have improved a little bit since then. Um, But regardless, I am really excited to share this conversation with you because AJ is just an awesome, incredible guy. And this was a really cool conversation that we had. Um, So we talk about our shared experience in nursing school. Um, AJ is an ICU nurse and he was orienting when the first wave of the pandemic hit in March, 2020. So he talks about his experience with that, his experience with the struggles of learning to be a nurse, um, the coping mechanisms and skills and resources he used to help him get through this time. Um, He also talks about a lot of his experience being a part of multiple intersectional communities while being a nurse. And this was a really super interesting perspective and one that I definitely cannot give on my own. Um, So that was a really awesome learning experience for me and hopefully can be for you too. 
Um, finally, he also has a really cool Instagram account. Um, so he shares his story and experience with being um, a nursing Instagrammer. Um, and at this time, I didn't even have an Instagram for the podcast. I was barely dipping my toes into the nursing Instagram world. So you really get to watch me learn about Instagram in like real time through hearing from him. Um, so without further ado, here's the episode. I really hope you enjoy it. So everyone, I sat next to this wonderful young man for, I think like, two years did we sit next to each other in the front row of all of our nursing lectures <laughs> i think i think it was yeah uh, front row for like a few years yeah That's like it. a few years and he was in my tiny clinical group of like five or six people just by chance the same clinical group like for like a year and a half um so i got to know him pretty well and the whole time i called him andre um but I've struggled with how I even introduce you today because your Instagram is AJ the nurse. So, and I don't know if I like just made a big mistake and accidentally like mm-hmm. revealed your identity. Um, oops. No, but, that's completely fine. Um, I asked my first question for you is um, what do you want me to call you? And if you would like to talk about um, the story behind Andre and AJ, mm-hmm. um, that would be awesome. Yeah, so I I do go by Andre and I do go by AJ and tons of people call me both names, Andre and AJ. Um, in school, you knew me as Andre, right? Yeah. But and also in school, a lot of people call me AJ. <laughs> really? I'm not too sure if you like ran into folks who did call me AJ. But, you know, as growing up as a kid, I was called AJ by my parents primarily and also my family and that was my nickname growing up in school I would be called Andre so like going through school and growing up I always had that division in school I would always be called Andre even in high school and then my family friends and my family would call me AJ my family joined a church group and they all called me AJ and then I had friends in high school from that church group who called me AJ and that was the first like interaction of the AJ versus Andre folks. Fast <laughs> fast forward to to college, I was in a complete identity crisis because I had no idea. Do I call myself Andre? Do I call myself AJ? I kept the same division. Um, so in nursing school, I was called Andre. Amongst the Filipino um, group that I was in, they called me AJ, but then that group started growing and growing and the entire Asian American community called me AJ. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaving off right now. Like, okay. It's a, but yeah. then going into nursing though, with your Instagram account, you picked AJ. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. Well, what do you want me to call you today for the rest of this interview? Mm, call me AJ. All right. Okay, AJ. So my next question for you is to tell me about your upbringing and um, specifically what led you to become a nurse. Mm-hmm. I feel like in, in nursing school, this is, this is the question. If you, do you remember, like in, in all of our freshman year classes, they would always ask this question, 
why oh yeah why nursing (laughs) and you know what I had reasons but also part of it was just like because I think so yeah you know and it's especially when you haven't done it yet like you might some people did have like a story of an experience but some people don't like Mm -hmm. we're just kind of like it's like a gut feeling but like you want to have a story you want to be able to say something so I always struggle with that one too Mm -hmm. for me I feel like it was when I was doing a simulation like a you know one of our sim labs some we were doing the intros and one of the uh, the leaders was like why did everyone go into nursing I'll start off um, you know, I just thought I could do nursing and they paid okay and it was job, you know, security. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone else had, you know, this story. They had some story and I didn't really have a story. But like going back to talking about my upbringing, you mm-hmm. know, my parents came here from the Philippines in the 80s to 90s. I got married in the Philippines and moved over here. First my mom and then my dad followed. And of course, you know, with Filipinos, there are many Filipinos in nursing. So a lot of my family is in healthcare too. Like they're either a nurse, um, physical therapist, a doctor, you know, mainly nurses Mm -hmm. though. My mom is a nurse. She works in the NICU. Oh, awesome. I'm in the NICU, too. (laughs) And I I also thought, I was like, maybe I should go into the NICU, you know, after, through being in nursing school. Um, Mm -hmm. But they they never really pressured me to go into nursing school. Um, Actually, my mom was like, you should be a doctor or something like that, Uh you know, but never really nursing. And I think because in high school, I really chose nursing late in in my high school career. I liked AP Bio. I loved the practicum that we did when we dissected a pig and we learned about these body parts and body systems. I wanted a career that I could feel good doing and that I was giving back to to some community. Mm-hmm. And then when you put the two together, I, I feel like nursing is right there. I, yeah, I, totally. had this, I had this discussion with a bunch of, uh, on a panel actually, with a PANZA, um, the Asian Pacific American Nursing Student Association. And uh-huh. we talked about, you know, why did you choose nursing? And how does being Filipino factor into that? Um, I feel like it's also very economically sound and stable. You know, when you want to provide for your family, a large family, you want a job that's stable. And I feel like part of that's in the back of my mind when I'm choosing a career and nursing fits that bill for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then we started talking about this a little bit and I certainly know a lot, um, but I definitely don't know what the nursing school experience was like from your point of view. Um, So talk a little bit about nursing school and just also being in college and doing a four-year BSN because not everyone does. Um, and it's definitely a different experience. So, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't know so many people um, did the accelerated, you know, did a second career nursing. I thought everyone was a four-year nursing career or, you know, four-year BSN program straight out of high school. 
I didn't know there was such diversity in uh, the backgrounds of nurses, especially the ones I work with and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I, um, I kind of had the same view while I was in our four year program. I really thought most other nurses did four-year programs as well. And it wasn't really until I, start, until I started working that I was like, oh, huh, you're like, like the people I'm working with are in school. Some of them are in school for their BSNs now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because like, I, well, I'm learning to do my job there and you know how to do it. Like, <laughs> just because I have that BSN doesn't like make me ready to go hit the road running, you know? Anyway, continue about school. So I, you know, I had a great time at school, at Penn, in nursing school. I was actually um, catching up with uh, a few of my closest friends from college. We were being, you know, I'm very nostalgic. I'm so nostalgic. So every time Mm -hmm. I look back at memories that we've had together or... I was actually on campus for a little bit and did a walk around and uh, with one of my friends. And that just brought back so many memories because I, I honestly, I miss it a lot. You know, I miss the proximity of being around my closest friends, but you know, school, school was tough. I don't miss the curriculum. I don't miss the pressure, you know, the demand the school demands so much from you and the bar is raised so high, but mm-hmm. nursing school was, was good. We had a really good edu- education, awesome clinical sites. Um, I did shed some tears every now and then because I was under oh, so God. much pressure. I failed a test out, you know, I, I like <laughs> sobbed at my test out cause I knew exactly where I messed up. It was, you know, it's rocky. It's not, I'm pretty sure yeah. you've seen me cry from <laughs> during nursing school at least once, maybe twice. I think I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it it does like nursing school tears you down a little, but then you build yourself back up and you are stronger than ever is how I yeah. is how I perceive it. You know, being already working for over a year. That, yeah, that, absolutely. I, I feel like the education is good and solid, and it, it has helped me for sure. You, you were talking a little bit about um, how you were thinking about whether you wanted to be in a NICU and kind of um, during nursing school envisioning yourself um, working on different units. Um, do you want to tell mm-hmm. me more about that? You know, I always felt like I wanted to be in the critical care space. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not like I had any prior experience in critical care until my senior year. Um, We had we had kids clinical together. I never thought I could work with kids, you know, and then kids clinical happened. And I was like, I, you know, I would, I would think about going into pediatrics. I definitely threw, um, after psych clinical, I was like, I could not do a psych. <laughs> I, I could not be a psych nurse. Um, but then, you know, when I went into our our senior clinical where you can choose 
where what placement you wanted. Um, I chose the ICU because that was always, you know, something I thought about. Um, I was never exposed to it. And then going through that in my senior year um, definitely solidified for me that this was the setting that I wanted to end up in and work in. What in particular really made you feel that way? I think it's how on on my toes I was all the time. I like how with critical care patients, the the ratio is, is smaller for sure. And I get to know my patient I, almost completely, or that's what I try. You know, I do work, working yeah. night shift, I sift through notes and I make sure that I know everything about my patient. And that gives me um, like a satisfaction and also knowing that I can fully take care of this patient. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way about our critical babies on the NICU. Mm -hmm. I think we both are very like no stone left unturned types of people. You know, like I like to know everything. Um, and having just having a lower patient ratio is like super helpful for that. Um, and it, it's cool to like have complex meds and complex lines and like, you know, patients that are sick and really just really be on your toes um, sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I relate to all of that. Um, how did you study for the NCLEX after you finished nursing school? Mm -hmm. And then what led you to the job that you yeah. have now? Um, you know, actually on Instagram, I did create a, a video. It was my, it's like one of my only videos on Instagram and it was like how I prep for the NCLEX and it got a lot of good feedback. So essentially it was, it was like two or three different sources. I did UWorld, which I recommend, um, if it's affordable, you know, going through the test bank because they have awesome rationales um, that are really in-depth. And I, mm -hmm. even if I got answers wrong I, or answers right, I would take notes from the rationales because that's good content review. And then on top of that, I had um, the Saunders book. And okay. then, you know, like miscellaneous, I'd look up cheat sheets or YouTube videos on topics I didn't know. I studied mm -hmm. maybe for... Um, three months but that was because my ATT got delayed yeah oh my yeah I feel like that happened to like everyone I I just remember that summer like so many people were like messaging and like just talking like oh my ATT was delayed I'm like trying to find a job but they won't let me in my ATT yeah a lot of a lot of people don't know that um waiting and calling the board of nursing and advocating yourself ad advocating for yourself is a big part of <laughs> of the NCLEX yeah. process you know that whole application thing I don't even feel like we were taught how to do that we were given a sheet of paper yeah. or like a website and we we're like here you go uh, yeah I mean looking back and I can't, it's really hard to run a nursing program. I like, it's hard to learn how to be a nurse when you're on the job and it's hard to prepare you to start that process when you're in nursing school. Um, but yeah, the, definitely we, 
nursing schools could give more guidance. And I think that's why on Instagram, so many people are very anxious about the NCLEX and that topic because people don't really talk about mm-hmm. it. And after the mm-hmm. NCLEX, what led you to your job? So for me, it, it was like a, it definitely a different scenario uh, than other folks who were going through the job search process. Um, in my scenario, I was part of a, a group of kids in a scholarship that allowed me to get a scholarship for my junior and senior year. And in turn, I would have to work uh, two years at um, this particular hospital. So, which is where I had my senior clinical. So in a way, through my clinical placement, I had exposure to this unit and there was a formal interview process that I had to go through, but I already had guaranteed employment at this facility, not, not, not on the unit that I, you know, wanted in particular, but in Mm -hmm. the hospital. So, okay. Yeah. So through the, after clinical, I talked with the nurse manager and that was in the back of her, her mind. And then I had to go through an initial residency program. Um, and it's that residency, residency program is also very different because I had to rotate through three different units. Oh, yeah. really? And then from there, you interview for the three units and you get placed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what? W- tell me about that experience for you. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So for the first three months of my, of, you know, being a new grad, I was rotating through the telemetry unit and the critical care unit. And what I was able to do was I was able to rotate days on both of them. And then I asked if I could do nights on the critical care unit in my hospital, the ICU also same, same thing. Um, and with the more exposure that I had in the ICU, it seemed like I vibed well with the staff over there. I already had my clinical there, so I had definitely adequate enough experience that I was able to, you know, do well in the interview and then get offered the job and start working there after the initial residency rotation part was done. Okay. So... When you, so the residency was you were rotating through three units. Mm-hmm. You did like two. Was the like request to do nights on the ICU, was that like considered like your third? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And tell me like more about what that was like for you to start out. How long were you on each unit? Um, Around a month. Each like rotation was a month. So it totaled to three months for this residency and it's like my hospital has this residency and then the hospital system has its own one-year residency okay mm-hmm. was that i'm just trying to imagine I'm... myself doing that <laughs> because i have been on my unit now for since september um and i'm like just finally feeling like i get the hang of things and it's you know it's a a very specific population with a lot of unique needs. Um, but I can't imagine working for one month on a unit Going and then switching 
and starting all over again. Yes. How was that for you? What else? What I'll say about that? It definitely has its pros and its cons. For uh-huh. me, I already had an idea of where I wanted to end up. Um, I already knew the manager, and it seemed like a waiting game for me. But for folks who are who don't know exactly what specialty they want to be in, that that's like the best scenario for them. You know? Yeah. Because what the possibilities that you can rotate through are like all the all the units in the hospital. So like telemetry, L and D, mother baby, NICU, eating disorder unit, our surgical step down unit, critical care unit, you know, so on and so forth. So, yeah, it was it was more like a waiting game, if anything. But I'm so happy that I landed in the ICU. <laughs> for all that Good. Time. I'm glad. That's great to hear. Um, tell me about like what your flow is like now on the ICU. Mm-hmm. So I work yes. nights. So why don't we start the night before? <laughs> cool. Let's so do that. I work nights. So you have to, you know, transition in some way um, to a night shift schedule, which is working 7P to 7A. Um, the night before, I usually stay up until like 5 or 6 a.m. ish. And that works for me. Other people just sleep regularly and take a fat nap right before the shift. I stay up mm-hmm. and then I sleep for like nine or 10 hours. And then I wake up at 4.30, um, 4.30 p.m. Hopefully I have like a good, a good night's sleep, a good day's sleep. 4.30, I throw on my podcast. I listen to them. I get ready, throw on my scrubs. I eat a little bit more like a breakfasty, like a small meal. Um, I drive 40 minutes to work, and in that time, I listen to either a podcast or my Spanish learning app, and I'm, I'm driving there. I get to work at 6.30 p.m. Hopefully, um, my schedule aligns with my boyfriend, and we can chat for 15 minutes. And then at, like, 6.45, I'm in the hospital I chat around the unit. I see my assignment. I clock in at 6.56. And then I start my shift. And, you know, it's each shift is different, is different. You know, sometimes I can get report really quickly, read all, read a good majority of my notes, read all my labs, be settled and, you know, start off passing meds, doing my assessments, charting really quickly but you know with in the critical care setting these patients are so unpredictable and they're unstable Mm -hmm. which is why they're there and it's kind of like the last stop for the hospital so priorities change throughout the shift um hopefully i'm all charted and tidied up by midnight (laughs) and i i finished like my eight o'clock documentation and my midnight documentation you know at the same time I'm keeping a really close eye on my monitors on my EKGs on the oxygen saturation my ventilators my urine output you know temperature checks uh, neuro checks if I have them vascular checks if I have them and usually 
for my unit at around 1 a.m we all we find some time hopefully if the unit is is okay find some time to eat together um as a unit at one while keeping an eye out on our patients on our monitors and then finish up the rest of the night and our checks giving our meds hopefully nothing bad happens because you know codes do happen in the icu um which we all have to go to Mm-hmm. But you know, if it's just if it's smooth sailing throughout the night, I'm able to tidy up everything by like six forty-five, and get in some last-minute documentation. I clear out my pumps. I make sure I have enough drips, or have enough uh, liquid in my drips. Uh, my patients wash already, and that my room is really clean and. That's what I, I hold on to, my room being really clean and making sure that the next shift has a good start to their shift. And then at seven o'clock, I start giving a report and I clock out, hopefully, fingers crossed, by like 7.24 and I'm out. And then you drive yep. home and I, how does that go for 40 minutes driving home after? I, I feel like I adjust pretty well tonight, so I don't get too sleepy driving home i throw on my shades i listen to my podcast (laughs) i usually listen to the news (laughs) like it's my news podcasts um that i Uh listen to so i know what's happening around the world you know i get home i i might eat something for breakfast slash dinner sometimes my coworkers and i will have breakfast at the uh at our cafeteria in the morning after a shift Mm-hmm. and we'll like decompress um if not i go home i get home at around like eight fifteen a.m um i eat and then i take a shower go and go to bed and i'm probably working the next night so i started all over again yeah and that's it yep. question for you does it ever like freak you out to listen to the news sometimes like especially like when you're going to work mm-hmm. you know I feel like I've been desensitized <laughs> I feel like a lot of what I see on the news has is like desensitized for me because I, I listen to the news uh-huh. all the time it seems like and with the with some interesting characters in the news, it's easy to have the same headlines, um, you know, blaring headlines all the time. And you're like, oh, again, you know, oh, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. like for me, you know, people do get freaked out by the news and it can be really stressful. Definitely around election time, that was very stressful for me. But I have, I feel like for me, knowing what's happening in the world just knowing the fact of knowing the news is comforting to me. What what does your life look like outside of work? Just like on mm-hmm. a day off. I mean, if I'm not trying to catch up on sleep or usually after, I usually work three nights in a row so I can have a good stretch off. And that's that mm-hmm. seems to be working for me. You know, having good um, stretches of, day to myself days to myself and 
it's such a struggle to come back into a day shift um, schedule after working three nights in a row. And so for a bunch of it, I'm readjusting to today's. You know, I'm super groggy. I either sleep two hours or so after a, sh- a stretch of shifts so I can readjust myself. And that could be a struggle. But if I'm, Oof. you know, yeah. if I'm okay, I might hang out with friends, catch up with friends. Um, I'm definitely talking to my boyfriend when I can. We'll watch some Netflix shows together. Um, he's over in uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area. So, yeah. Oh, wow. So it's it's long distance, but like we're able to make uh-huh. it work. And it's it's great when we finally have time to talk, you know, without being interrupted by work and whatnot, because he's also working. How how have you guys been making mm-hmm. it work? What like what's been working for I you? I think it's that we we aren't really codependent on each other, and we're very mm-hmm. um, good on our own. We don't need that much maintenance. Communication, of course, is a hundred percent key to maintaining a good uh, relationship period and relationship that's long distance, because even the slightest attention can ripple into like a huge wave of emotions so keeping that in check all the time I think we're Mm -hmm. both it of course it was difficult in the beginning and every time we had to separate physically but so far so good so you talked about him a little bit who else is like your big support team that helps you cope oh it's definitely it's definitely him for sure the main person Mm-hmm. Uh, my coworkers, I rely a lot on my coworkers um, at work when it comes to, you know, stuff that happens at work, even outside of work. I think because what I like about um, my workplace is that we have a good group of people on nights and I feel like I'm able to be open with them um, and I really see them as like a support group especially when it comes to nursing and me being uh, relatively new. That's wonderful. Not, not everyone has that. Yeah. I I feel like I got lucky (laughs) for sure with, with the people I work with. And also that's kind of contributed to how I feel when I go to work. I feel, you know, especially after having my good fair share of, Um, difficult assignments under my belt I feel like Mm -hmm. I feel more excited to go to work Um, I don't feel burnt out quite yet there was a period where I felt like I was overworking myself but I think because I'm always I feel excited going to work that's that's been keeping that burnout (laughs) at bay oh I'm smiling right now I'm so happy for you (laughs) yeah I, I never thought great. I'd be so excited to go to work sometimes. Do you talk about work a lot with your boyfriend or with your friends who are not in nursing? You know what's funny is that a lot of my friends are in nursing. So we talk about work all uh-huh. the time. <laughs> like we compare, we, we share our stories. We talk about, you know, how are we being treated? 
as nurses, um, you know, our mm-hmm. units, what type of patients we see, our COVID cases, we'll talk about, we'll compare our COVID cases. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of my friends are Filipino and by virtue, many of them are in the healthcare field. And it, it can kind of be annoying uh, because we do have friends who are not in the nursing field or healthcare field. So we have to force ourselves to talk about different topics. <laughs> yeah, I feel that myself. Speaking of COVID, let's she, talk about it. What has that been like for you? <laughs> like, let's just talk about COVID. Dude, COVID's been rough. I mean, yeah, for everyone, you know. I was orienting when COVID started slash happened and over here in New Jersey, which was one of like the main hotspots. It was like New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, Washington. That was like the, the very first wave, per se. Yeah. Um, definitely a shock to, <laughs> to the hospital itself. I was, my orientation was like five months. It was supposed to be six months, actually. But I was, I kind of advocated to, to get off of orientation early. Um, and also the staff, we needed staff, you know, independent staff. Mm-hmm. So I was orienting during COVID. And because the hospital that I work at is more of a, general community hospital our caseload isn't as critical as like a like a big city academic center when covid started coming Mm -hmm. around of course we're running around with like chickens with our heads cut off we the hospital (sighs) the management has no idea how to deal with the surge of um critical care patients like our 24 bed unit was full of COVID intubated patients and we needed staff. And yeah, there was a huge shift of staff who came up from the OR. Essentially, I was able to get a really good orientation out of that because I was able to see these very, very sick people, unfortunately, um, you know, with who are very complex with so many drips and we are proning these patients and mm-hmm. paralyzing them. Um, from that experience, I definitely felt more confident given that I was exposed to a lot of these really sick patients. And then in May is when I got off uh, orientation. I think it's May or I think it was April actually, in April, I got off of orientation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a really positive way to look at it. Mm-hmm. That it was like helping out your not helping out, but it was like giving you a better orientation experience. Yeah, for sure. It it was like I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it, you know? It was a good experience for me, but it's so unfortunate how it happened. Were you like scared at all? I think initially, yeah. When we when this virus came and we had no idea how to treat it um sources were the best practice was changing there wasn't first of all there wasn't any best practice but 
whatever those guidelines were, were yeah. changing every day. Every day there was a new huddle and a new mm-hmm. um, tip sheet that was sent out. And, you know, is it airborne? Is it droplet? When can we, when do we wear an N95? When do we, when do we only wear surgical mask? Um, we ran out of gowns at one point and we used surgical gowns, like, you know, in the OR, um, like the sterile uh-huh. gowns. We use those and we would have to oh. save them for a certain amount of time. And then eventually we ended up having enough PPE. Um, but then we were also running low on ventilators and that was a whole mm-hmm. shebang and very, you know, scary. It was definitely scary, g- given everything was shut down at the same time. What motivated you and helped you to get through that? Mm-hmm. Definitely helped me, you know, have have this one support group and then know that we experience this together. And it's not something we're doing alone this time we're definitely more prepared but with surgeries still continuing we're still getting our regular icu population um but on top of that we get the covid population and what i'm scared of is you know when our mm-hmm. when our regular population and our covid population start overlapping that creates a whole other mess What's making this okay for you that you're able to just go to work and not be anxious out of your mind? Mm, I mean, like I said before, my main support person is my is my boyfriend. And, you know, being able mm. to talk to him um, and explain what's happening, it's, that's been good and therapeutic for me. I play piano. I'll sing sometimes. That's a good stressor, de-stressor for me. Okay. I, I catch up with my friends, good, good. whether that be like in person, socially distanced, or on the uh-huh. phone, even. Being able to not like, quote unquote, socially distance myself from these people. Um, I'm going to hop mm-hmm. back a little bit to when you were starting to learn and transitioning into your job. What were some of the biggest struggles that you faced and how did you like Ooh. overcome them? I mean, nursing, nursing itself is a steep learning curve, no matter what specialty you're in. Yeah. And how is it now? Now, you know, we had, there were, there was a period of time, maybe in July or August or something where we had zero COVID patients in the hospital. And then now that number is mm-hmm. like mm, in the sixties or forties, I'm not too sure, but it's, it was slowly coming up and now we're planning for this next surge in the critical care setting. I'm sure, you know, as well, there's this added machinery and a demand for critical thinking that has to be learned mm-hmm. in a short period of time. Um, there are these, you know, certain parameters and lab values and settings like vent settings, or maybe you're doing dialysis and you have to run a machine at the same time and make sure you're on top of 
your urine output and your waveforms of X, Y, and Z, that being thrown into that was scary. Definitely overwhelming. Um, I went through a period of like big imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like I could become the nurses who were teaching me. Uh-huh. And in my residency, in, in my year-long residency program, they say that around six months is when a new grad feels at their lowest at around six months. And that's been studied in a bunch of, you know, in nursing literature. And at six months, I definitely felt a low point. I definitely hit a low point. And I think I posted about it too. I, I didn't, I haven't read that in a while. Um, because I felt like I couldn't live up to the expectations that were the demands that were were kept, you know, for me. But as time went on, I was able to, it clicks, it clicks eventually. And that's what I tell the new grads who are on my unit, or people who reach out to me for advice. Like, it's definitely rough in the beginning, because you, you know, nothing nursing school, even though like, you have all this clinical experience that doesn't translate directly into bedside care and being a nurse. Yeah. I mean, legally, like they can't because so much of your job is things that you do Mm -hmm. because you're a registered nurse. And when you're in nursing school, the whole point is like, you're not, so -hmm. you can't like, they try their best, but you can't really, you can't simulate a patient load. You can't simulate, (laughs) like actually a crashing patient with the stress of family and yada, yada, yada. When you were feeling this way from then to now, what's changed for you? Uh, I feel like I said this too before, but after having like a good amount of sick patients, crashing patients, um, terrible assignments, I feel like Mm. now with that under my belt, I've been through these situations and so it's easier for me to work through them or time have good time management in these very uh, demanding situations. And, you know, as, as time goes on and you're independent, I feel that I, I gain my, my confidence that way. My critical thinking improves each shift. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's not something that happens overnight, but you refine it with each shift. And that's what I, that's what, my mindset going into each shift, like, you know, I'm continuously learning and improving with each shift. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And it's not, it's not an easy mindset um, to grasp, especially because in nursing school, you're so you have an exam, you work and work and study, and then there's an exam. Um, And then the exam will tell you how you're doing. But you don't have those like checkpoints. Like you just you have to work and learn and try mm-hmm. and work and learn and try every day. Just constantly grow. So it's definitely like a mindset mindset shift um, that you have to make. On those days though, early on, when you had like a crashing patient or a heavy assignment, coming home like the first or second or third time mm-hmm. you had to go through something like that. That that must not have felt very um good. no not not particularly i will exactly. say that i was able to get feedback after you know these these things happened and 
people are saying, my coworkers tell me, like, you did really well today, or you you work really well under pressure, uh-huh. and that even my my love language is definitely words of affirmation. So to hear that coming from these yeah. experienced nurses makes me feel like, okay, me being the nurse and the job that I did was not in vain and I shouldn't be too hard on myself. Of course, you know, situations may not pan out the way that you would like them to, i.e. the patient passes away, but a lot, a lot of that is inevitable in, in the critical care setting. But, you know, being able to have this, uh, these words of affirmation from these experienced nurses pushes me to maintain that confidence. And it is, it is tough, you know, I feel like an overworked dog sometimes with these, with heavy assignments, but when I leave the hospital, I know that I can leave it at the hospital and I feel, I feel good in the work that I did. That is so important. And I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I agree. Having, it's always on a day when I'm really hard on myself that another nurse will come to me and be like, you did X, Y, Z really well. And I wasn't thinking about X, Y, Z at all, but just hearing that is so encouraging for me too. And I can tell the new grads that you work with now are probably really lucky to have you (laughs) on their unit because you know how to be encouraging to them too. And I think that's so important to pass down the torch like that. I'm going to move on a little bit and I want to preface this next question um, with a little note because a member of any minority group should never be obligated to teach others about their experiences. And also one person's experiences cannot represent that of a whole community. But with that in mind, I think I would be really remiss if I had this conversation with you and did not ask whether having many different intersectional identities being a gay male Filipino American nurse has impacted your experience. Um, So just going to hand over the mic, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. share whatever you desire. um, You know, you throw this into the mix, this question into the mix, because every person's um, story is not the same. And the the backgrounds definitely come all together um, to the experience that you have as a, as a nurse, as a new grad nurse. And I'm glad you, uh, you have that, the preface there, Kelsey. So thanks. I definitely talked about this also in the Apanza panel that I had a few weeks ago. And I feel like there are endless things that I can talk about here. But what I will say, people I've interacted with, and that's, I don't know if that's talked about too much in, you know, the nursing communities or male nursing communities, I'm not too sure. But that that's something I do pick up on. And as as a guy, I do see that it can come as an advantage just because a profession is predominantly female the patriarchy in general still exists and as as a male i do see favoritism i do see 
sometimes like internalized misogyny amongst in some situations because these these structures still exist despite nursing being a predominantly female profession when it comes to my filipino american identity that has been one of the um out of the three i feel like that has come to the forefront for me in the workplace because okay. i work with um i work with seven nurses on night shift you know at different times seven nurses and also like a tech and our nurse practitioners too in total on nights and they're filipino as well and because of that i feel like my transition into the unit was definitely a lot smoother because i have this uh, innate camaraderie with these people and they also reciprocate too mm-hmm. and feeling very um open and friendly and because of that i'm so i felt so grateful to have that as a segue um as a new grad into this already formed community for me and then being able to know the rest of the unit and the providers and what not and that just makes me feel more comfortable as as a nurse in a way that i i'm not too sure i would have felt um starting off you know in this new place that's awesome yeah, i'm so I, glad it's a uh, quite an experience that i i did not ex- expect and i'm i'm so happy that i'm surrounded by awesome filipino nurses um who i also feel this sense of camaraderie with and i think the last one is being gay and that doesn't really you know come up too frequently in the workplace you know i'll talk about my relationship um with my coworkers the thing is like i was actually talking to one of my coworkers about this about being gay and being a nurse despite being gay like there are more flamboyant um people there are less flamboyant people which can also another term is like straight passing you know and i feel like when i'm around mm-hmm. certain people i can be a lot more boisterous i can definitely my voice can change and i can definitely be more flamboyant but in the workplace i feel that I'm able to be straight passing and even my coworker was saying that like I wouldn't I would have never thought if you know you didn't tell me that you you know had a boyfriend that you were gay and that is a privilege that I have or that I can present as um so that doesn't really come up mm-hmm. in the workplace or with my patients so you're talking about mm-hmm. how you're able to be straight passing at work And I was just wondering like how does that make you feel mm-hmm. that that's like a thing that you have to be like I you know I don't mm-hmm. have to be passing mm-hmm. for anything when I'm at work I'm just myself. Um so I was just wondering if like you had any like thoughts or mm-hmm. feelings or reactions um, to that. I feel that the fact that it is a thing that people like queer people do keep in the back of their head like my mannerisms, the way I talk, the way I dress, um the people I hang out with, the way I look can determine like a sexuality and that kind of dissonance or mismatch 
eventually like should not exist in any way or should we have these preconceived notions and i just see it as like it is a shame that that's a, a thing to it's a shame that i would have to lean towards this way and how i talk and how i present myself but mm-hmm. you know i hope the world is changing towards a more accepting less judgmental society that's that's what i'll say <laughs> so i'm going to transition here to your instagram account um can you tell me about like what inspired it and like how you got started and, you know it's always been in the back of my mind maybe since junior year senior year of uh of nursing school i would listen to this podcast uh, called the nurse keith show and you know, I listen to it occasionally now, but back then I used to listen to it a lot. And Nurse Keith would always talk about how nurses should use social media to their advantage with like networking. And he was saying that not too many nurses utilize social media, more specifically like LinkedIn, you know. Uh, so that was in the back of my mind, like, how can I use a platform like Instagram or LinkedIn for social media? And I kept that in the back of my mind. And then come around to senior year for clinical, um, I threw the idea out to my clinical group and I was saying, should I start a nursing Instagram? It sounds like, you know, just an idea to document my, my new grad journey. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you have the personality to launch a, an Instagram and keep it maintained and whatnot. So, you know, that that was a little push and I do credit them for like giving me that push. I remember that. And then starting in August after graduating. So August, 2019, I started my job. I didn't start the Instagram yet. And I knew that if I didn't start it sooner, I probably wouldn't have the motivation later to start it. So then in September, I went ahead had no idea what it was doing, created the Instagram at AJ the Nurse and made my first post. And here I am like over a year later and I still have it running. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and your Instagram is really cool, by the way. I'm just going to give a little plug um, for anyone listening that like has been living under a rock and doesn't know about his Instagram. He does some really cool stuff with it. There's a lot of like educational posts he does and it's not just nursing only content he dives into a lot of like social and historic issues as well I actually brought up one of your posts um at the dinner table with my parents um a little while ago um because one of them was asking about Filipino nurses um and you made this really awesome post diving into some great history about why there are so many Filipino nurses so I actually just physically pulled up the post on my phone and like showed it to my parents. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So people really like check out his Instagram. Now I'm going to like stalk you a little bit and I'm going back to your first post here. And you said, <laughs> I quote, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but I'm here to connect with others and share my nursing and non-nursing journey with you all. So looking back, what did you end up getting yourself into? Is there anything you wish you knew? Uh, I, you know, I still don't know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, the goal was to create this platform that I as a nurse can use to speak on, on different issues within the, um, the nursing community and outside of that. So I guess the outside of that portion is more so what you were saying earlier, focusing on different social topics, um, current events in the news regarding nursing or not even nursing. I've been delving a lot into my Filipino American identity, uh, doing a lot of reading, research, like you were saying in that post about why are there so many Filipino American nurses in the US? Um, what else? I've made a lot of friends through through the app. I've met oh, up really? with some of them, yeah. Um, and that's what I find is like a great benefit of having the social media platform. Yeah, I'm, there isn't really any advice that I would give myself. I'm just being myself. I'm trying to be as authentic as possible. There are a lot of accounts that are really superficial. You know, it's someone in their scrubs and they have some motivational quote and whatnot. And they don't give too much, you know, substance into the discussion or discuss or interact with their audience about issues that need to be talked about. And so that's what I wanted to bring into the space. Yeah, when you're saying how um, you heard Nurse Keith saying that nurses weren't using social media enough, and my gut reaction was like, are you sure? Um, just because, and like, once you, you don't think the nursing Instagram community exists when you're outside of it, but once you find like a LinkedIn, like you were my LinkedIn, I like <laughs> saw your Instagram, and then I saw it kind of like, dove into like other accounts that were like commenting and then like there it's like a whole world sometimes it seems like there's more nurses on Instagram than there even are like in the units um, <laughs> there's a lot and yeah I mean sometimes there are accounts have different levels of superficiality and I think different people are catering to different audiences for sure um, but like one thing I definitely see that's a testament to, um with your account and with a bunch of other accounts too is that nurses are using this platform to expand our impact outside of the hospital doors like we're using instagram to learn to teach to grow to connect um and it's a really a testament to the heart that our next generation of nurses really have that we want to like make an impact in and outside of the hospital and so i think that's really cool and I'm really happy that I get to know you and that I get to see you start on this journey. I'm like excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see where it continues. Yeah. <laughs> You've talked about this a little bit already, um, but can you think of any more ways that your Instagram has impacted your journey as a nurse? Mm, my journey as a nurse. I mean, I feel like what I was saying before with connecting with a lot of nurses and different specialties all over the country. What I also do is that I follow ICU doctors and ICU nurses who give great tips. And it's like a continuous learning journey. With nursing, you're never, you're never stagnant in what you're learning. Every shift I'm learning. And even when I hop onto Instagram, I learn more with every scroll, infinite scroll down that I do. 
<laughs> I feel like I've definitely been more introspective when it comes to my platform and more reflective of my practice. I know in nursing school, we focus a lot on reflective practice, especially with debriefing after clinicals and whatnot. And so that really comes into mind when I make a post or when I brainstorm and what I put out for my followers or the audience. So it's almost like a, like a public diary for you. Yeah, I would call it that. Does that ever like make you nervous at times? Like you're really kind of putting yourself out there when other people mm-hmm. like aren't. Uh, yes and no. I think I, I always have to watch what I say, what I post. I have to make sure that I'm in line with HIPAA regulations, which it's not too hard to follow. But what I will say is that there's a lot of unspoken rules in nursing that you usually learn on like a unit or through maybe even through a residency program process as me as a new grad was that there has to be a greater community to discuss how you're feeling as a new grad and even beyond that and so that's what I'm also trying to share oh my gosh well I'm totally with you there I felt really strongly after I started that this was a whole new ball game of something that I have not experienced in my young life quite yet. And it was a mixture of both being new to nursing and being new to nursing right as a pandemic was hitting us. Um, but part of why I'm doing this and why I'm talking to you and why I'm so passionate about hearing people's stories is for that reason that we all are kind of struggling with this transition process, this coming to terms with the new world process and this process of being like young adults and just trying to figure mm-hmm. ourselves out while all of this is going on. And so I think that Instagram is a wonderful platform and I I'm, I'm feel so lucky that we have it and that we can use it. So yeah, I think that's really awesome that you're doing that. Speaking of connecting with other people, this is me like, being a total stalker again um but do you have like a little crew going on oh yeah for sure um if i was able to connect with some folks in new york um on instagram two of them are nurses like i see nurses and then the other one is a nursing student they the three of them live in new york and so i visited him i visited them over the summer over there is the first time for me going to New York in a long, long time, you know, since COVID. Wait, I totally thought you knew them in real life. No, no. I I met them through Instagram. Oh my gosh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and the great thing is that they're extremely quality people. And so I still message them. I I think I messaged them today too. Um, You know, we're always chatting in our group chat. Oh, good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they actually came to New Jersey and we uh, we did like some ice skating and, and whatnot, I think last month. Oh, that's so fun. And then generally with Instagram and the community, um, is there anything that's surprised you? I would say, you know, with that little crew that we have, which we call ourselves like the RN cousinhood. It's so cheesy, but I love <laughs> it. It's that with this account, I can make honest connections 
and make friends. I didn't know that was, you know, a real thing, uh, a real thing to make friends, to make real friends through through this journey, through this app. So that's one thing. Okay, so I am going to transition now into one of my favorite sections, which is our fun surprise questions. Um, so just really fast, going to hit you with some questions. Go for it. Give me the best answer you can think of. Ready, go. Coffee versus tea. And what do you order? Coffee and it's uh, Americano iced. Okay. What do you listen to on your way to and from work? You kind of already answered this one. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's either my Spanish learning app or uh, podcasts. How long have you been learning Spanish? Oh, maybe like four months, but it's like a slow, slow journey. I don't have that much time. It's really in the car. <laughs> How are you right now? Like, could you communicate with someone? You know, I could. I would say very elementary. I'm, I'm more in like the input phase, like trying to learn um, it's all audio and I'm not reading anything really. And so it's all through, you know, answering to prompts and whatnot. I have been able to communicate with my Spanish speaking patients minimally, but yeah. That's really helpful. Um, did you just like decide to take it on because you realized that it could help you communicate with your patients in general? Yeah, I'd say so. It was actually a few months ago when I had a uh, a COVID patient, he was he could only speak Spanish and understand Spanish. So I felt like it was such a hassle to use a translator phone all, all the time, all the time. And it is important to always have a translator um, when, you know, talking about medical um, procedures and whatnot. But just conversationally, I had this one patient where it was just such a hassle to communicate with the translator phone. And so I started, that's when I started learning Spanish because of this patient. And so that's been the journey. And he was able to actually walk out of the hospital after such a long stint on our unit and then on, on the acute rehab unit. But yeah, that's where it started. That's so cool of you to like take on that extra like learning challenge on top of everything else. And like really because of the connection that you made with a patient. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a, it, it'll be easier for my patients to know that if I could communicate with them more easily, either, that the, the care is just going to be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, we're going to go back to these questions. Are you a meal prepper or a order inner? Uh, you know, I don't, because I live at home, I have a lot of food. <laughs> that my that my parents make and so what I do I you would call it it's not really meal prep but I just take whatever's in the fridge and run I'll order like a coffee from work but it costs money you know to like uber yeah. and and whatnot uber eats so you're like a meal grabber from the fridge yes very much so <laughs> favorite brand of scrubs figs hashtag sponsor hashtag sponsor <laughs> Yeah, use, um, use my code. <laughs> check out his Instagram for his code. Um, who should chart at 7 a.m.? Um, day shift. 
what sea animal are you? Uh, what sea animal am I? I would say I am a whale shark. Oh, why? I feel like because I've all there are a lot of whale sharks in the Philippines, and I've always wanted to swim with one of them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be so cool. That would be so awesome. Hopefully sooner rather than later. So are you particularly a Filipino whale shark? Oh, 100%. Amazing. <laughs> favorite smell? Uh, my favorite smell. You know, I would say it is uh, meta honey. Meta honey. I don't. Okay. I don't know if your hospital has this. It's like a. Um, it's like a wound care type of patch, and it it just has this type of chemical in it, and it smells like honey. It's probably like the best smelling thing in the uh, in the supply room, other than you know, the the freshener spray or the little bottles that you use. You know, when someone has code brown. <laughs> Okay, well, anyone listening, if someone works in healthcare, that doesn't mean their favorite smell has to be a healthcare smell. I can tell you right now, mine is definitely not. But what's your favorite smell? Honestly, you know, I just ordered a scented candle and I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm really, really hoping that that candle is going to be my favorite smell. Oh, wow. What What is it? What type of candle? Um, It's like a cedar scented candle with like hints of vanilla and bourbon it's supposed to be like a winter a cozy winter cozy scent. winter vibes oh yeah. love it. yeah so right now my favorite smell is cozy winter um and stay tuned for whether this candle hits the mark <laughs> so final question for you um what's next for you is there anything coming up <laughs> that you're excited about yeah i would say I, I recently signed up for this per diem position through an app. Um, it's like a staffing app for nursing homes. So essentially, I would be able to, after being cleared and whatnot, I could like sign up for these shifts whenever I, I would like. So that's something to, I don't know, stay tuned and figure out what happens with that. But I'm excited for that. Um, I would also say... Oh, so there's this research project that I just joined that's coming out of my hospital or more like the hospital system. And so this is my first step into like nursing research and whatnot. But essentially, it's about comparing how pre-COVID and during COVID nurse residency cohorts have felt in their like confidence and how the residency program has changed as a result in seeing how uh, that affects the responses and the surveys and like the March 2019 cohort versus the March 2020 cohort. So those are two things I'm really looking forward to. Oh my gosh, that's super cool and relevant. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. I, I'm excited because I haven't done really research I know a lot of people in school did research and I never really stepped into that. So 
Yeah, but I mean, in particular, the topic that you're doing about how COVID is affecting new grads, like, I'm glad that people are thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's probably going to be a lot of work and a lot of, you know, analyzing so many different types of uh, survey responses. Oh, yeah. I don't, Research- I don't know what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> well... I'm excited to find out. And last time you said that, it turned out pretty well. So, <laughs> okay. Here is my actual, actual final question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone like super resonated with you, um, wants to talk to you, wants to work with you, wants to learn more um, from you, where and how can they find you and contact you? Yeah. Um, you can contact me on Instagram or Twitter both at AJ the nurse DMs are always open. I love answering anyone's questions about nursing, you know, chatting. That's really it. AJ the nurse. Awesome. All right, guys, we are finishing up with AJ. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed talking to him as much as I did. Feel free to slide into his DMs and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you liked it. I want to reach as many new nurses as I can, so it would mean so much to me if you could follow and interact with us on social media at Registered the Podcast on Instagram and share this show with any new nurses you know who may be interested in being a part of this community. If any of this resonated with you, please subscribe on whatever you're listening with, either Apple Music or Spotify. I really want to deliver content that is helpful and meaningful for you, so please leave a review um, so I know what you liked and what else I can do to make this resonate even more with you. Finally, if you're interested in sharing your story, there is a link in our Instagram bio at Registered the Podcast for you to fill out with your information so I can contact you. Thanks so much. Can't wait to hear from you.